Hustle Island hustlers out there. Hustle Island episode number six of the Hustle Island podcast. I'm really excited about this one. This guy is a pillar to this whole Hustle Island movement. He's a really smart guy, and we're going to talk about a lot today. Entrepreneurship, marketing, sports, and music. Grab your pen and pad because we're jumping in, hustlers. I want to give a warm welcome to the program, Troy Erickson. Welcome, my friend. Thank you, Mike. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, last time with Wojo, that was really good, and i um, just excited to talk today about Hustle Island and everything we have to offer, and uh, let's do it. Let's jump right in, man. I got to ask, how did you link up with Greg Berry, the Hustle Island founder, and how did you get involved with this whole movement? Okay, sure. So, um, I mean, I'd say last April, um, I was just on Upwork uh, under the recommendation of somebody else just to get some experience under my belt and move on to bigger things and to make connections. And that's exactly what happened. So uh, Greg had a job out there for a meal kit company and I applied for it. Um, he wanted, he was offering 20 bucks an hour. I said, I do it for 14 and I put out um, basically it's like an application, somewhat of a resume. He got back the next day and said, Hey, yours was the most competent and you did, you do it for the least amount of money. So um, there I was, um, got started. Went pretty well, got him hooked on uh, a lot of new ways of doing things for Burger Box. That was the company at the time. And uh, it, it went well for a little while, but it was just a little late for that company and uh, didn't work out. But Greg's doing what he wants to do now with entrepreneurship and spreading the message. And uh, he reached out to me as soon as he decided he wanted to get that off the ground and got together. And uh, this is project number two for us, and it's going a lot better. And I think it's a lot more fun. So. All right, we gotta we gotta jump into like the nitty gritty of like how are you getting your hands dirty into this whole hustle island movement? But I gotta ask first. The ad said twenty dollars an hour, and then you came back to Greg and said I would do it for fourteen. Yep. Why? Um, I just really wanted the job. So anytime you start on a platform like Upwork, I mean, why should somebody pick you over somebody else? So knocking it down six bucks to me. Uh, wasn't the biggest deal in the world because I knew bigger things would come from it. And, it, you know, it wasn't going to kill me if I started off making six less. So I just said, whatever I have to do, because this sounds really cool. And I think a lot of people should uh, start off like that instead of trying to go for like big bucks or something right away. Well, you know, a lot of people out there would have been like, I'm doing it for 20. I'm not doing it for 14. So you hear that hustlers out there? You hear that everyone? Sometimes you might have to work for free. You might have to volunteer or you might have to take a few dollars off the top so you can be that guy for the job. So now you're into this whole Hustle Island thing. What, what do you personally do behind the scenes for Hustle Island? What have you done for other companies like BurgerBox? Okay, so yeah, I started off. Um, I created an agency after uh, being mentored by, um, I'll just shout him out right now, Grant Cooper from SocialVantage.com. I owe a lot to that guy. He taught me a lot. So uh, SocialVantage.com if you want to check him out. But anyway. Uh, he taught me a lot and just how to start, you know, an agency, uh, how to market products, how to market e-commerce services, how to do it for yourself, how to do it for clients. Um, just learned so much. And I started a website called socialstrategymarketing.com. And um, I've had quite a few different clients from the U.S. and Canada and um, just marketing their services, whether it's uh, a real estate or a gym or anything in between um, to products like Burger Box. And it's, it was just a lot of fun. And then um, as far as Hustle Island goes, it's, you know, kind of under the same umbrella. But 
um, just got started with Greg and picked out a concept that we wanted to use um, with the hustle shirt. And like, we didn't exactly know what we were doing at the beginning. We just uh, came up with the idea after a lot of brainstorming and uh, threw it together, had a good offer with the free hustle shirt, um, lots of upsells after that uh, in other types of apparel. And then we moved on to the Hustlers Club, and now we have the Pinhole Funnel course, and it's just growing and evolving. So to answer part of that question, I just kind of started off brainstorming and making Facebook ads, Instagram ads, and uh, just putting that Hustle Shirt offer out there. Uh, good copy, good creative, and then we've just really built you know, our whole social media presence and our marketing strategies and business model from there. So it's it's super complex, but it really grew from nothing because we didn't know what we were doing when we started. Was that fearful, like not knowing what you were doing at the start? Um, I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> that's a question for Greg because like Greg was my buddy by that point. So I just said, hey, man, whatever I can do to help, I'm good at Facebook ads. Uh, let's jump in and do this. And this, this shirt is cool. So let's market it and see what happens. And, you know, I didn't think it was too fearful for me. I mean, he's you know, still the, uh, the big man behind the whole thing. So I guess it could have been scary at the beginning, but for me, it's like, Hey, I'll just jump in and start making ads. And I think it's fun. So, it, you know, what's fun usually isn't fearful. <laughs> you know, you're right about that. How'd you learn how to do all this stuff with the social marketing? Yeah. So, uh, again, Grant Cooper, like I just, um, I think there was actually a girl on Snapchat who was, uh, advertising or, you know, just a, a paid shout out probably um for his snapchat account which at the time was called young luxury he would just give all kinds of value and tips on how to flip things at garage sales and how to make facebook ads and how to find the first client so uh, i just kind of jumped into that and his brand really grew so it switched from young luxury to um, his personal brand and as well as social vantage and um, all the things that he works with and i eventually bought a course from him um, because he sold me so well on it over the course of several months. And it's, it's, it was awesome. I, you know, it was a great return for me, learned so much and here I am. Well, not, not giving away, you know, what was in that course, because obviously you had to pay money to, you know, to take it. What was like the most influential thing that you learned or the biggest takeaway for yourself? Um, how easy it is. And if you just start, you'll learn so much as you go. You don't need to be the expert from day one. Um, so the biggest thing with Facebook ads is you just jump in there and do it. I mean, everybody thinks that, oh, wow, Facebook is a huge company. Um, Instagram is also huge. Um, a lot of people don't know they're actually the same company, and their ad platform is very simple. Um, because if it wasn't, they wouldn't be where they are today. But you can just go in there and target whoever you want. It's extremely detailed. And uh, you can put really beautiful ads out there. And, uh, you know, people trust Facebook for the most part. It's gotten away from the old days of the internet when everybody was a scammer and nobody could be trusted. So it's, uh, you know, it's just really easy to start. And if you understand some basic concepts, just start getting your feet wet for um, some smaller clients, like I said, doing it for free or not much money, and that'll grow into bigger things. So it's just really easy to start if your mind is in the right place. So you have, a, you, have, you have a hustler's mindset, obviously. Oh, yeah. What was your first hustle? Oh, man, that's a tough one. So, I mean, a lot of people just kind of ask me, like, who my favorite entrepreneur is and things like that. And to be honest with you, I don't know because I, I didn't really grow up with that kind of background at all. Um, so 
to answer that, I would say um, the, my mom's side of the family owns a, a hardware store. And I would just always ask her questions about it and like how they make money as a little kid. So then I just figured out all you have to do is buy something for less than you sell it for. So um, I would say my first real hustle in context of what most people um, do today is probably just flipping things, um, not necessarily from garage sales, but uh, just anywhere, even Goodwill. So um, just doing that kind of stuff and learning how to transact, as Greg says, was probably my first hustle. What did you flip? Oh, I can't remember the, the exact thing, but um, yeah, just as a kid too, like selling things uh, to my friends, whether it was like school supplies or finding a tennis racket at Goodwill or going to a garage sale or to um, uh, a storage unit auction with a friend. Um, a few years ago, it was, you know, just all kinds of little different things that I find. And, uh, there's not one thing. I know Greg has one thing. It's like a, a piece of meat or something. He <laughs> flipped, but uh, for me, it's just, I can't remember, dude. There's so many things, and it's just it's fun to me. I could actually probably tell you Greg's story. He he uh, took a pic- picture of a Parma Perjout and uh, put it up on eBay, and someone from California actually bought it. Right. That's how he uh, started his first flip, and he started uh, his Italian food company, and that first, I think he said that first sixty dollars that he made, uh, he's still flipping it to this day. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> so get out there, guys. Um, hustle, flip things. If you have some stuff in your house, I've heard this before. That's this whole concept. If you have something that you could sell, get out there, put it on the internet, and you can make some money. If you want to be a hustler, if you want to have revenue coming in, um, you're in college, right? Yes. I gotta ask. Um, textbooks is that, oh. that you 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 flipped before yeah yeah that, that wasn't my start like i said but that's my biggest success in flipping um so i actually started i'm at cedarville university in ohio it's a christian school okay. uh, close to dayton um if any of you guys are familiar with the area but at first i was at loris college in dubuque iowa so that's right where uh wisconsin iowa and illinois all touch on the mississippi pretty cool place um three college town and I always noticed that people were, you know, buying and selling textbooks and just absolutely ripping themselves off. They didn't know how to resell them. So I said, okay, I'm going to make it really easy for them. I'm going to set up a Facebook page. I'm going to use my Amazon account and uh, I'm going to do some business. So um, after I kind of started at my school um, offering people, you know, so much money for their books and I buy them and sell them on the internet, I said, okay. Um, I've got a little notoriety now as a textbook guy. So people can send me an image of their books that they want to sell to the Facebook page. I'll give them a quote and I'll either meet them on campus or if they're at one of the other two schools or even if they're not in school, I'll drive and pick up their books from them, pay them in cash on the spot and uh, come back and sell them on the internet. So it was super profitable. Um, I can't say I fully um, just sold textbooks because I flipped a few other things too. But in that semester, I made five grand and had 10 Thanks, man. sales. And then uh, wisely after that, I transferred. So I couldn't do it anymore, but that's okay. Uh, it was just a step on the way. I hear just, you. So. Yeah. Te- textbooks are pretty expensive and that's oh, pretty, yeah. pretty genius. I'm pretty sure. Um, why, why didn't you keep that going or uh, can you get it going again at your new school? Um, no, it's too much in the middle of nowhere, to be honest, but I mean, I still flip things, dude. I, I love doing it. It's just, you know, a passion of mine. Um, sometimes it's books, sometimes it's other things, but you know, a lot of things going on and, um, 
a lot more advanced as well. So like Hustle Island, I'd much rather be doing this than um, doing the textbooks, although that was really fun. I bet. I bet. Tell us about this whole pinhole funnel. This is a, you know, a, a topic that has been brought up on the, in, in the island, and I'm hearing more and more about it. What can you tell us about it? Um, yeah, the first thing I'd say is just to look at what we're doing. Um, so if you're familiar, which most people listening I'm sure are, um, we're offering a free hustle t-shirt, just pay shipping. So, you know, people see that for the first time. They're like, well, that's a dope shirt. I'm going to get it. Um, so they sign up and if they don't get it right away, um, they'll get an email from us. that's like, Hey, would you like to see this again? If they don't, that's okay. They'll move on. But for um, the people that come back or the people that got it initially, um, they'll be offered more things from us that are very similar to the shirt, um, which are obviously more expensive than just paying shipping and more valuable as well to the customer. So that's kind of the whole concept. Um, it works for a lot of companies. You'll see it on the internet quite a bit, um, not necessarily just with free plus shipping, although that is popular. Um, there's all kinds of discounts and promotions going on. So that's kind of how it works. You bring people in who are super interested in one thing, and then you show them things that are more valuable that they're also likely interested in. And then you also have um, their contact information to reach out to them in the future, offer them value, offer them you know, more products and services. So it's really revolutionary, I would say. Um, and it's, it's not new and improving either. I mean, if you look at Wendy's, the reason they have a commercial for a 50 cent Frosty is because, well, they're not making any money if you come in and buy a Frosty, but they know that you're going to come in and get a burger and fries and maybe something else with that. So it's proven and we're just teaching it um, in the space of e-commerce and really, you know, telling people the best way to do it and how to have the highest conversion rates, how to be super convincing and how to make people, you know, really love your brand because you're providing them value. So uh, we just made a pinhole funnel course that tells everything and um, it's, it's starting to get some leverage and it's really rolling. So I always encourage people to jump in now instead of waiting and, because pretty soon everybody will be doing it. So, absolutely, absolutely. You're a pretty smart guy. You know, um, so, what you, are you? What are you studying in college? Uh, marketing. So, you know, I'm about to say marketing business. So, do you ever sit in any of these classes and just like fully disagree with what the professor is teaching? Um, not often. It's just that, like I said, this whole pinhole thing is a new concept, and it's not all of what we do, but obviously quite a bit. Um, and most of the concepts in school are for traditional marketing and not necessarily e-commerce. So I can't say I disagree with all of them, but sometimes, you know, there's always something you're going to disagree with occasionally just because we all have preferences and ideas on how we should do things. And um, there's not one answer. A lot of people think that because, oh, this guy who wrote a textbook or this famous person said something, it must be true. Well, that's just their opinion and their experience. Um, so I think there's still a lot of things that I've learned that are really good um, on how to, you know, kind of build a company and all the different things that are outside of social media. But, um, you know, this is where my main experience is. So I'm a little biased towards it. I bet. I bet. Have you like written any papers that you've submitted where the professor's like, no, nah, no. Nah, so this, this, this is new age marketing is just not going to work. That's Troy, you're, you're, you're way off. Uh, no, I wouldn't say so because we don't really have any entrepreneurship or like e-commerce classes yet. So I really haven't touched on those subjects. I'd say the closest thing was actually pretty cool. Um, last year, we um, this whole class, this marketing, uh, I forget the exact name of it, but obviously a marketing class, 
Uh, there was a different professor in the school who builds wooden bikes, um, and they're actually, contrary to what you might think, are actually very durable compared to aluminum bike and very beautiful, and they can uh, even run on like a battery, and it's just very out there. So the whole class revolved around making like a marketing strategy um, for this company because he wants to, you know, sell these on a higher scale. And it was just really cool just to be behind somewhat of a company for the first time, especially for a lot of people and just uh, build a business. So, and that was very much in the real world instead of social media. So it's, it's been a good balance and I can't really um, complain. Nice, man. Nice. How about, um, you're a good student. What's what, throughout your GPA? Since uh, like? I came to Cedarville, I think it's at three, three, six. It's pretty good, man. Is it like yeah. cum laude or something like that? Uh, I don't know all the names. Sume, sume cum laude, like high honors. <laughs> not, not sure. I just go in there and do the work and do the things I do on the side and have a good time. So, three point six. I bet you have a good time. So it's Saturday night. What's what's going down up in Cedarville? Um. Nothing much right now during fall break because I'm actually at home. Oh, that's right. South Bend, Indiana right now. So uh, just visiting with my dad. He's actually at a concert right now. But uh, yeah, a concert? I'm here having fun and uh, hanging out with you. He's at a Garth Brooks concert. So. <laughs> oh, good old, good old Garth. Nice. Notre Dame Stadium. That's pretty sweet. They're having a pretty good uh, kick-ass year in football. Yeah, I think 5-0, something like that. Maybe 6-0. Um, I'm not a big college football guy. I know I'll. I'll get a lot of bad reviews for not knowing the record, but yeah, I'd say South Bend. Uh, you know, I think like everyone's like a diehard Notre Dame fan. They're they're having a really good year from a oh, football yeah. standpoint. I believe they're seven and zero. Uh, there are a lot of talks of them making it to the college football playoff playoffs. Um, but yeah, you're not a big fan of the college football. I mean, you should jump on the bandwagon. This is their, their year, I think. <laughs> If you they made it to the national championship before, and I stood true. I didn't jump on the bandwagon then. I'm more of an NFL guy personally, but as far as Notre Dame goes, love Notre Dame basketball. Um, used to go to all the games as a kid. Okay. Can't much anymore because I'm gone, but, you know, it's, it's a good place. I like it a lot. I'm just not a big college football guy. Who's your favorite uh, Notre Dame basketball player? Of all time, I would say Luke Karangody. Um Currently, I like Rex Fluger. He's a cool guy. So <laughs> There you go. They got a they got a pretty good team. Mike Bray, he always seems to to get it done out there in the ACC. They always uh, they figure out a way to get yeah. their teams to play yeah. hard. I, like they get these recruits, and I think I don't think people question him. They're just like uh, I'm not really sure, and they end up being like really good players for them. Yeah, it's been fun. I used to go to the games when they were in the old Big East, and I thought that was more fun. But uh, since they joined the ACC, he's uh, been getting the job done, getting them to the tournament. That's the last thing he needs to do, just finish the job in the tournament. So It's hard, man. It's hard. Yeah. It's not easy winning a national championship. No. So your dad's at a Garth Brooks concert. You're in South Bend just kicking it tonight. How about music? Uh, what type of music do, music do you listen to? I listen to rock and metal. And just to be clear, my dad does as well, but he kind of you know got, got pulled in by his girlfriend to go to this Garth Brooks show. But <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I started listening to rock and, and metal in around sixth grade. Previously, hadn't listened to anything, really had no musical interest. Um, it would pump me up going to football games, basketball, baseball that you know, I was going to play in. And uh, eventually got to the point where I was going to Metallica shows. And um, I picked up my dad's old guitar and kind of taught myself more or less. And now I'm all right. So it's just uh, 
kind of a way of life. It's a good release. It's a lot of fun to play and um, watch my uh, watch my heroes on stage and how they've evolved. And it's just uh, you know I wear a lot of different hats, and I'd say music is probably my second or third favorite. So really, yeah. Really, what are some of those hats you wear? Oh man, there's a ton of them. So obviously entrepreneurship with Hustle Island. Yeah. Um, sports big time, heavily involved in baseball. Um, music, like I said, um, I used to make video skits, do voice impressions, um, big lifting guy, nutrition, um, and just coming up with all kinds of fun things to do. I used to broadcast high school football games. Really? Just <laughs> drawing even. Like I, I've tried it all and I, I like it. It's just, I was only so many hours in a day and you got to prioritize. So, and, and by no means am I complaining because I enjoy everything I do, but it's, it's oh, who, crazy, but if it was, if it wasn't crazy, it'd be boring. So, no doubt, no doubt about that. Let me hear uh, an, an impression. All right, um, you'll know this guy. Uh, let me be clear. Uh, this is President Bape. I just wanted to let <laughs> y'all know that uh, I'm with Hustle Island. Uh, it's a great company. I look and run. Thank you. <laughs> Not perfect there at the end. That was classic. Uh, is that little Obama right there? Yeah, man. That's. Uh, that <laughs> nice man <laughs> i just find people that i don't know like some voices are easier than others and i think his was um just really easy another thing too like i've always been a big youtube guy and uh alpha cat on youtube uh iman crossin i think is how you say his name he um he was the obama guy on youtube for years and i just loved his videos and his parodies so i uh i learned it by watching him rather than actually watching obama himself so wow it's just, Throw a little Obama out there, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I can do an Obama. I, I, I really don't. I, nah. It takes practice. I I, believe me. I bet. I bet anything. Anything with that voiceover takes practice. Every, you know. Yeah. You know how it goes. How about baseball, man? You're a baseball guy. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually just finished up my my playing career at Cedarville, and this year I'll be on the uh, the coaching staff as a student assistant pitching coach. That'll be my title. Um, nice, man. This year, so. Thank you. Um, I'm just kind of really looking forward to, you know, working with a bunch of guys like on the mental side of the game, the mechanical side, video analysis. Um, that's kind of been my thing. I'm a very analytical guy in that sense. Um, I kind of got that from my dad, just being very analytical, but at the same time, I'm really creative. So, um, you know, in, in baseball, it kind of works out to the analytical side. So I think that's a, a good role. So you were a pitcher? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just finished up as a pitcher and, um, yeah, I played D2 ball at Cedarville. Nice. And a lot of fun. Just even from being a little kid, man, looking back on all of it is just, you know, extremely fun. And I still throw. I still pitch. I try to, you know, uh, just get as good as I can because it's fun. And I enjoy the process of um, trying to be good. So, um, How yeah. fast can you throw? Fastest I ever threw a ball was 86. So, <sighs> 86 miles per hour. That's some gas. Yeah, it was a one pitch. <laughs> um, early <laughs> Summer, I was at like 84 consistently. So that's and pretty the, good. That's that's some heat. Yeah, those are kind of my personal records. But you know, what was your go-to pitch? Like breaking ball, curveball, two-seam fastball is pretty nasty um, for a while. So it's uh, if you're a right-handed hitter, it'll come in on your hands and it'll sink. And it you know it's fast and it's late. So I mean, it's just all about reaction time. And it's it's going to be somewhere where you didn't think it was, and it's like oh, it's hard to hit. How's the transition going from being a player to now being a student coach and going over to the coaching side of things? 
Um, honestly, I haven't started it yet as far as working, um, you know, with our main pitching coach and our team. But uh, I don't think it's too hard because, um, as with anything in life, I think you should be your own best coach. Um, so, you know, not in an egotistical way, but I'm a genius when it comes to, like, looking at video and breaking down uh, mechanics or figuring out what pitch to throw in a certain situation. And uh, I've always known that um, I could have a spot in coaching. So this will be really fun to really take up an official position for the first time. Give me a scenario with that. So, like, two balls, two strikes, what type of pitch are you going to throw? And he's a, a righty who – home run hitter. Uh, home run hitter? Yeah, that's, that's a good question, too. Um, just because pitching is all about reading and learning as you go. So based on the pitches that you threw him before and what kind of swing he got on it, and how hard he hit it, was it, you know, foul or straight back or to the right side. But uh, for me, and, and like – what kind of look he's getting at all the pitches I've thrown so far. But uh, for me, I always like to go back to my strongest one, the two seam, but, uh, you know, a little slider down the way, depending on the guy that could, uh, could work out. So. You ever get like pissed at the kitch the catcher when they throw a sign out there saying like, all right, we want the, we want the curveball, but you want to throw the, the two finger seam fastball. And he's like, yeah, no, curveball, curveball. Most of my career, um, I was pretty free to uh, call my own pitches. And, you know, the, you have final say when you're on the mound. So, um, but sometimes your coach is calling and you just got to throw it. I mean, if you throw it well and you execute, you know, odds are something good will happen. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way, but, you know. When it doesn't work out that way, do you get pissed at your coach? Because pitching is it's so mental. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely mental. You can't get, you know, pissed at him for one call because a lot of times it's on you for not executing. And sometimes you, you do make a good pitch and the guy just hits it and it's like hats off to him. Like I've thrown some uh, really good pitches in my career and the guy just hits it. And I'm like, wow, that, <laughs> you didn't expect that to happen. But. <laughs> no doubt. How has uh, being a student athlete and playing baseball helped you in other areas of your life? Man, that's, it's crazy to think about now that it's, you know, more or less behind. Like I said, I still compete, but um, just from a young age, just bonding with my dad was the biggest thing and uh, kind of taking something that we both had very average knowledge in, especially as like a baseball dad, there's a lot of guys out there that, um, you know, they believe in like the common like solutions to, to things that don't really work. And, you know, just saying, hey, do this because somebody said so or because that's how I did it. And we kind of came together um, when I was 12 or 13 years old and said, like, hey, I want to be really good at this. I want to play in college. Um, let's step it up. So we, you know, found some people that knew what they were talking about. Um, a lot of it was coaching on the Internet, um, kind of like what Hustle Island does, but for baseball. And we figured out the best way to do things and what changes to make and it's just been super fun, just the whole process of the last even 10 years, um, just working super hard and, and just hitting the weight room and, and looking at my pitching mechanics on video and uh, going out there and playing catch and, you know, trying to throw hard and doing all the thousands of things that add up to, you know, make you successful. And um, it's just instilled a ton of work ethic. I know that sounds cliche, but um, I'm probably the hardest worker that, I know, and I'm very honest with myself. So I don't think there's anybody that works harder than me, to be quite honest. So um, it's, it's, it's very fun. So that's what's kept me going. And um, work ethic, I would say, is the biggest thing. Attention to detail, 
um, and doing something till you can't get it wrong instead of getting it right the first time. Yeah, you kind of see that in athletes, is that, that discipline, that attention to details. And just like you hit, I think you hit it right on the head with the process and just doing things a certain way. I think it really all comes back down to that discipline. Um, adversity that you've, you've faced either, you know, pitching on the mound or in your life. How has that helped you in, in terms of kind of getting into this whole entrepreneur stuff and being a part of Hustle Island? Sure. So um, I don't even know why I forgot to mention this, but <laughs> when I was 16, so this was in uh, 2012, I, I tore my UCL. So that's the infamous Tommy John surgery. And Ooh. having that at 16 um, is, you know, not, it's not supposed to happen. I mean, it's happening more today just for a lot of different reasons, but um, in 2012, it was kind of just starting where, you know, high school age kids were having this major surgery that usually doesn't happen until guys are in the big leagues and throwing 95 miles an hour. But um, just coming back from that and learning that it really is possible to dig yourself out of a hole and uh, coming back and competing after that has just uh, taught me a lot. So um, like if you're facing an adverse situation, like you can do it, man. You just like, it, you it, you just have to look at it one day at a time because it's really hard to look at the whole thing at once and just get your work in for the day and have fun doing it. Enjoy the process. That Tommy John surgery, what what causes the the, the UCL to? I, I, what happens to it? Like, does it does it like split? Does it like what what what? Why do you have to have Tommy John surgery? Yeah, so um, there's you know a lot of different reasons, but in general. Um, in kids, it's either because they have bad mechanics or they got overused, um, not enough rest, or they don't try to throw um, hard and like go hard at their training. And then in the game, they try to step it up. And at the end of the day, our bodies are so different and there's so many processes going on that we have no clue. Um, it's tough to pinpoint one thing, but those are some of the common ones. But um, just from the process of your arm and you know your shoulder externally rotating, um, and moving so quick with these ball speeds, there's just a lot of torque and pressure that it can tear. Um, you know, just being a ligament that's, you know, holding things together. It's just as with anything, like things, things break when there's enough tension put on them. So um, UCL reconstruction, Tommy John is basically, they cut your arm open, um, kind of dig out the, the bad parts of the UCL, uh, drill two holes through um, the bone. And then they take your palmaris tendon, which is in your wrist, um, or there's one in your leg somewhere that they can also use, or they can use a cadaver, and then weave it through those two holes like a figure eight, and uh, maybe do a couple other things, but then they, they patch it up, and then the, the recovery process is a year long, and it kind of becomes another UCL again. Wow. Wow, a year-long a year long recovery process. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, you got to exercise some patience. Yeah, one, definitely. Huh? Because I mean, just you can't really do anything right away, and then as soon as your rehab starts, you're using one pound weights, which is pretty uh, humiliating at first. And um, once the splint and the cast come off, uh, your arm is atrophied so much. Uh, additionally, you couldn't do any other exercise, so your whole body is getting weaker. And after about four months, is kind of when they first trust you to start doing any kind of workout at all, and it's almost it's almost like relearning the skill physically and mentally and with your whole body, not just your arm. So, um, and then just getting physically stronger too. There's it's so much to that. And it's, it's crazy. I was going to say like mentally that's got to screw you up a little bit. 
Like, did you, did you ever have any thoughts of just quitting baseball? Um, no, I've never had a thought of quitting just because it's, you know, it's who I am and the work ethic. And um, still to this day, in the back of my head, it's like, hey, I want to pitch in Major League Baseball. So, and, you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, okay. It's like, well, you know, I don't, I don't care what they think. But um, mentally, it's, it's crazy because it's like the last time you threw a ball, um, it's, it was the worst pain you've ever felt. And, you know, popping and like tingling all the way up the arm. And so it, it's pretty humbling to try and, and learn how to throw again and trust yourself. And there were definitely times um, throughout my career, even years later, where you just kind of get in a bad spot mentally and, you know, you, you don't trust it. And there's a lot of uh, subconscious things going on. And it's, it can be a mental wreck for, for some guys. So, <laughs> I bet. I, I can only imagine. Now, let's throw on another hat that you, you, you threw out there. Uh, nutrition? Yes. Yep. Let, touch on that. What do you got for me? Okay, so, yeah, my sophomore year, um, at the end of the year, I was told that I probably wasn't going to be good enough to make the team my junior year, so I said okay. And I went to this place um, in Massachusetts called Cressy Sports Performance and just learned so much um, about lifting and nutrition and pitching and uh, came back my junior year and just did phenomenal. And it was, you know, a lot of fun just learning about how the body performs and exactly what lifts are going to help me pitching um, just because of all the mechanical variations and, and how the body works. It's, it's literally a machine and you're just trying to fine tune it, um, you know, with training the right way and eating the right way. So uh, it's a lot of fun. I still enjoy that a lot. And I also like Tom Brady's book as well. There's a lot of good stuff in there to learn. So um, TB12. It, it's for fun. Yeah. Tom Brady, the guy's like 40 years old, still slinging that football around. They're going to win another uh, Super Bowl, too, by the way. At least. Maybe yeah. two. I don't know if you're a, a Patriots fan, but I am. Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a New Englander, so I love the Patriots, and I think they're going to get it rolling. Are you a Patriots fan? Absolutely. I got kind of lucky, though. I mean, everybody around here is a culture, a Bears fan, and I, I, I can't say those – those teams are good. So uh, my dad somehow ended up being a Pats fan when he was a kid, when they were, when they sucked and uh, it's kind of carried over. And fortunately they're, they're good. And the greatest quarterback of all time, not just because he's good, but because all the stuff he does behind the scenes. And that's really inspired me and been one of my biggest influences. Yeah, man. Great, greatest player and greatest coach, Bill Belichick. Yeah. And Definitely. Bill, we trust. He is getting it done. They're both getting it done together. And I'm telling you, they're going to win another Super Bowl. So oh, yeah. in terms of like nutrition in your diet, what do you, what, what's your diet consist of nowadays? Okay, so, I mean, I guess the, the better answer to that would be to tell you what changed. So um, just looking at, you know, what my, my parents bought, I'd just eat that when I was at home. And there's a lot of processed stuff, um, you know, chips, crackers, granola bars, and then maybe – like some frozen meals, um, stuff that just like wasn't cooked and wasn't, you know, totally true to, to everything that's in it. So, I mean, there's just so many additives and things uh, in food and just so many things that most people don't know because it, it's just not clear. The information's not out there. Um, and, you know, it, it looks kind of good, but at the end of the day, there's just a lot of stuff in it that's not good for you. Um, so if you can just Go to you know Walmart or wherever you shop at and get some meat and, and cook it yourself. Uh, make sure you get your veggies as well and um, get some good carbs in there. Uh, you want to make sure uh, you're getting carbs from things like fruit instead of um, you know like white bread or something like wheat's not bad. But and then also uh, some healthy fats coming from like let's say guacamole, um, different things like that. So if you have 
your carbs, your healthy fats, uh, your protein and your vegetables. And it's all, it's prepared freshly and you're cooking instead of getting it from like the frozen section or, or having it fried, you're going to be pretty well off. Yeah, the diet is the key. They say that all the time. And they say everything in moderation. I am a, a vegetarian, pescatarian. Uh, so I don't eat any meat. I eat fish. And I'm actually probably about a year now that I've been on this diet. And I, I this is the best I've felt in a long time. And it, it, I've tried it a couple of times into trying to become a vegetarian and pescatarian. And I failed. And it's more was it was mental. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't get over that hurdle. And one day it just kind of stuck. And a year later, here I am and I feel phenomenal. I've actually put on like really good weight. I was probably at the time when I was eating meat still, probably weighed around like 168, 170. Now I'm up to 180, but it's like lean muscle. I feel a lot better energy wise. Like I got a ton of energy and it's crazy how like just something as simple as changing my diet and just eating whole foods, organic foods, and just taking, eliminating meat and processed foods. I used to eat a lot of sugar, man. I, I, love, I trust me. I love sugar. I love donuts, love pancakes and all that good stuff. But I knew I had to eliminate that stuff from my diet and making that change has changed me tremendously from a mental standpoint and physical standpoint. I just feel like really good. Yeah, it's honestly pretty easy um, if you know what you're doing. I think the biggest thing that's missing is information because, uh, you know, if you eat right, you're going to feel better. And personally, being so young, I can't really attest to that because I, when I started eating healthier, um, you know, I'm still young. So um, I didn't really feel the repercussions of that yet. But, you know, as you get older and if you start and if you're not eating well and you start eating well, it's, you know, you can definitely notice the difference. But, yeah, that's awesome, man. A full year of uh, just feeling better. and. Like, yeah, man. I'm not that old, too. I'm not that old. I'm not saying you're old. old. I thought you were like insinuating that I'm old. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. out there that I'm old? Yeah, I'm older than you, but I'm not that old. Yeah, so I started at the age of 20, though. So I'm saying, like, when you're <laughs> 20, you probably don't feel, you know, like some of the things that that's the problems that's going to cause later. But I would yeah. say maybe like 25 to 30 is probably the cutoff when you start. When you'd notice a difference if you changed your diet. Yeah. I tell you what, the bounce back and the recovery of like some things that you can do at the age of 20 and 22 is a lot different than at the age of 35. One other tidbit that I think might help people um, as well is just muscle pliability. Tom Brady talks a lot about this, but uh, as you get older, your muscles get stiffer. And that's one of the things that makes you like feel really bad in the morning, not just like, oh, my my bones ache or the, the things that people say, but uh, just getting a foam roller and uh, picking up maybe a copy of Tom's book or just looking up something online on how to roll out. It really just takes your muscles and turns them from a, an old stiff rubber band into a new one that's that's nice and loose, and it can really make you feel phenomenal. So, You want to know, I foam roll a lot. Um, I also – have you? I, I take a lacrosse ball, oh, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I put it on the floor, and I roll out the bottom of my feet, and that does – wonders wonders just not only for your foot but for like other muscles in your leg i highly recommend it out there and like you know one of these things like you hear about entrepreneurs and hustlers out there you know taking care of yourself is, is huge like your, your diet not like you're you're an athlete and just not from an it's not an athlete thing it's from a, a business standpoint from being an entrepreneur just everyday life like for you to be alert and to make key decisions 
you gotta be you gotta be right like your 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 body your has got to be right on point i think i think you got to be in some not some type of shape but you got to be able to perform at a certain level yeah as with anything i think you know if you're feeling better and if you're more alert it's it's going to help you with anything uh motivation as well i think sometimes people aren't motivated just because they they don't feel well and it's a lot easier to sit on the couch and watch netflix than it is to figure out how you're going to build a company so no doubt no doubt i i I like i I, i've been shooting these videos i don't know if you saw on the uh, hustle island greg's challenge the 100 day videos uh 100 days of shooting videos and i actually started doing that and one video i did the other day was you know be the ceo of your life and i I think that like kind of falls into that whole bubble of you know just hey taking care of yourself and so you can be alert so you're not sluggish at work or you're not sluggish after a full day of work. And if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to build your company, when you have to work off hours, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 at midnight. And so you could still perform at a high level. So I just think diet, uh, living a certain lifestyle is key. (laughs) You know, like, you know, sometimes we burn the candles candle at both ends of the wick and we just don't take care of ourselves or we just eat food that's just not healthy for us like the processed foods like it's that's not the right feel that you need right and just being able to go out there and perform and and see how much you can do in a day and then recharge and get back at it and you know good habits like uh, they build up so to anybody out there who's struggling with getting started and they think they're too far behind like it's really not hard just um like reach out to me if you want on instagram yo soy troy dm me i don't care what it's about but uh, i'll advise you tell you you know what to eat or how to foam roll or you know what to look for at the grocery store that's not expensive and like just get started because i mean if i can make somebody feel better to the point where they can start doing some things they want with their life like that's awesome i get more enjoyment out of that than you know a lot of other things so yeah that comes back down to like that discipline like you don't have to like jump like fully in like just take baby steps like eliminate a, a few things from your life so if you and there, there are other things in your life that you could be doing that are bad but if you just have that discipline to say like oh i'm gonna cut out sugar and you can do it you don't have to do it all they cut out a little bit at a time instead of eating i don't know a honey bun be like i'm gonna eat some fruit <laughs> you know find those substitutes right um but it, it, it's baby steps just don't think like oh i gotta have it all at once and, and if you don't see results be like the hell with this i'm just gonna go back to my old old ways it's just that patience, that's what it comes down to. Right. And for me, it's just a lot about, you know, motivation and mental toughness as well when it comes to those things. Um, our team last year actually had a couple of former Navy SEALs come in and train us on uh, mental toughness. Nice. Uh, it's called Stonewall Solutions. They do it for businesses as well as uh, high school and college athletic teams. But, um, you know, there's so many things you learn and it's so awesome. And uh, I think SEAL Team Build is this Twitter handle if anybody wants to go and get like the daily you know motivation tweets he puts out there but the basic concept is like if something happened in your past or if something bad happens to you that you can't control um don't feel bad about it because it's either over or you can't control it so the next best thing you can do is what you should focus on like what's my next step to get out of this it doesn't matter if i messed up in the past it doesn't matter if some uncontrollable force screwed me over um the only thing i care about is my next move so that's um because if you aren't focused on that or if you're pissed off that something happened to you, you're missing the opportunity to make your next move. So I think that applies to so many things, and I was pretty happy that we worked with them. Boom. Navy SEALs. I love that. 
Yeah. I like that. You ever read any Navy SEALs books? Um, no, but I probably should. Yeah, there's a few good books out there. Uh, Jacko Willinick, I think that's him. He's got some good stuff out there. He's a, a ex-Navy SEAL, hardcore guy, talks about a lot of different – he gets up like every day at 4.30 in the morning and he works out. And oh, that yeah. just goes back to that like SEALs training and where he gets up early and having that discipline. That's just getting up early is – is a, a discipline thing like making your bed every day that's a discipline thing um what i find in in doing these videos for greg it's not like the content it's finding the time to do the video like i've been doing like 30 day challenges and this is 100 day like that's like you're like 100 days like people are probably like what it's not that hard it, you know to shoot a, a one minute two minute video it's getting past your fears and just doing that act every day and by doing that act that video actually has really i've seen just a lot of changes in my life it's helped me out tremendously and things start happening once you act you see momentum and you see changes not yeah, just in terms that. of not not just in terms of just doing the videos but like just in other areas you're like wow like i found the time to do this and it's just creating discipline in diff different areas of my life so yeah, the best thing you can do just in life in general is, is document yourself, like track your progress. Like if you were trying to build a business and you didn't track your progress, like what would happen? You would just be like run around like a chicken with your head cut off. And I think one of the best things about today's society is if you have a smartphone, you can literally document every day of your life. That's something that we haven't been able to do until five or 10 years ago. And, you know, if you're worried about space on your phone, download Snapchat. They have memories. It's pretty much unlimited storage. You can make uh, videos talking to yourself every day about what you did well, what you didn't do well, and what you need to change. Or you can just grab a pen and paper if you don't have a phone and write it down. I do those. So just tracking progress um, will really help you find out what you need to do to, to be better at whatever. Troy Erickson, Hustle Island's own, dropping some gems, dropping some nuggets. Hey, man, what's the, what, what's the end game here? You're going to be graduating soon from school. Um, what's, what's next on, 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 your, on the docket for you? Yeah, I'm not too sure at this point. Uh, I mean, right now I'm leading towards uh, agency work and just learning a few more things along the lines of, uh, you know, maybe YouTube and uh, Google AdWords and, and things like that within social media, as well as like I said um, earlier, with that wooden bike that we were marketing for a class, just taking a product like that and uh, getting it out there in the real world instead of just social media would be some of the things I want to learn. And um, I think an agency might be a good place to do that. But nonetheless, I always want to you know, work with Hustle Island and um, a couple of the other things I'm, I'm starting up. So uh, it's a lot of fun. And just I try to do so many different things because you don't know what you're going to like until you try it. Absolutely. So this whole internet thing, it, it is, uh, it's a beast. It's a good oh, yeah. and bad thing. There's some good places in, on the internet. There's some good, bad places on the internet. Where do you see this whole internet movement, social marketing, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, where do you see it going in the next five to 10 years? Uh, that's an excellent question. And I wish I could spit out the answer to a tea. <laughs> But at the end of the day, um, even five years ago, like nobody would have ever guessed that we'd be where we're at right now with the internet. So, I mean, just looking at all the platforms we have and really giving people value on all of them that have at least a little bit of traction because a lot of them explode and get big. So just offering people value and making sure there's a reason that they're following you 
um, or your brand on the internet is just super important. And just at the end of the day, being cool with people, because I mean, that's what value is. Like you're being cool enough to offer someone something valuable or like a tip they didn't know. And just using that to, to get out there and improve people's lives. Cause if you can do that, um, you know, they'll, they'll stick with you. And the internet's just opening up so many different ways. And, um, you know, Gary Vee always talks about uh, being on all the platforms because one could get big or one could fail and just being diversified there and always looking into the newest technology. He thinks voice is going to be really big soon. So um, at the end of the day, no one knows um, what tomorrow is going to look like with the internet, but there's just so many opportunities out there and your cell phone. A lot of people say like, hey, you shouldn't spend time on your phone. But I mean, you're just accessing the internet, which is information. If you can access information and learn, you're doing yourself a favor. Um, as far as the bad things on the internet, that just goes back to the discipline that we were talking about five or 10 minutes ago. So just uh, stick to learning. And I don't care if you're on your phone like 50% of the day. That's fine because you're learning. Explain to us what Gary Vee's talking about with the, the voice. That's going to be maybe the next hit. That's He's saying that the next big trend in this whole internet marketing movement or whatever technological advances will be voice. What, what, what is he talking about? Sure. I'm not going to put words in his mouth because um, I haven't looked too much into it yet. But basically uh, building on top of things like Siri and just um, let, letting, the, yeah, letting the capabilities like really increase instead of like, Hey Siri, what's, I hope I don't trigger my phone by saying this, but anyway, <laughs> so you ask Siri a question and half the time, like she'll give you a decent answer. And the other half, she's super confused. Um, so just to the point where there's, you know, different apps and different features on your phone where voice will be prominent and um, you can say something specific and uh, your device will carry it out properly instead of being confused about it. So, and you know, we've seen that a little with Alexa. And I'm not too sure because I don't have one. Um, Gary likes it because it's a good reminder to put one in your bathroom. So like you're in there in the morning and you come up with a great idea, ask it to write down what you said. Because I think a lot of people just in general don't write down their ideas and they forget. So side note, write down your ideas. Otherwise, like they might be gone in five seconds. But anyway, just, just voice and integrating it um, with our day-to-day -day life and um, also expanding on things like, you know, what Siri and Alexa do. We give you a billboard. You can put up one thing, one ad. What would it be? Um, I hope Nike doesn't sue me, but I'd probably say just do it um, because I want people to like go out there and, and just start on things. Um, I think I said right at the beginning um, of this interview that a lot of people are scared to try things and you never know what something's going to lead to. And they think it's too complicated, but it's actually very simple. Um, to just go and start and your audience or whoever you're preaching to will learn with you. Um, that's one thing that's been very prominent for me. Like I was, I wasn't an expert when I started this um, about two years ago, maybe three, didn't really know what I was doing, but um, the people that I was doing it for kind of, kind of learned with me. So if you're starting on step one and your audience is also in step one, well, you're learning as you go and you're documenting what you learn and um, they're getting value from that. So, so just start, like follow your passions and do it. There's a lot less risk and um, confusion than you think if you just look. I mean, 
you don't need to go to college to do a lot of things. You can just use the internet. Like I said, um, there's so much information out there. So if you're on your phone half the day and you're learning, I'm cool with that. What advice can you give for, to someone out there who's trying to get into social marketing or uh, just doing things on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook? What advice can you give them? Uh, hit me up. I'll, I'll show you the ropes. So. <laughs> I like that. We're going to hit you up. A lot of people do that with Hustle Island too. And like I said, just giving people value, like we help them out um, because everybody has a little different variation of what they want to do with social media. Um, but if you just want to keep it generic as far as starting an agency, um, just like learn about what it is that you're trying to market. Um, so for example, I'd say the biggest tip I've learned with Facebook ads, everybody pay attention, is that you have to have detailed targeting um, so instead of targeting things, for example, if, if you're like, instead of targeting baseball, if you have like a baseball product, you want to find like, uh, players and coaches that are like kind of famous, but not too big to the point where they have a celebrity status, like Alex Rodriguez, maybe you could do like a Carlos Correa, who's only been playing for a few years and a lot of guys, a lot of people like him, or you find like baseball products and the names of them, or you find like baseball websites baseball conferences, um, you know, different things like that that only baseball fans would know about. And not just targeting, but also maybe reaching out to people who use that, that website and um, just making sure you're doing your homework and finding the right people that, that want your product. And secondarily, once you know who your audience is, just make sure you give them a great offer because a lot of people start even Shopify stores and it's like, hey, here's a 20% coupon. Well, everybody does that. I mean. I'm going to offer you a free hustle shirt at hustle Island. Like you can't beat that. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to give out any message that you want to give to everyone out there to the hustle Island group, the hustle Island community. Here's your platform. Here you go, Troy, give them a message. I'm going to be mad at you guys. If you don't follow your passions and start today, like that is your homework. Just go out there. And if you need help, consult the internet. And if you're, if you don't know where to start, message me, DM me, Yo Soy Troy on Instagram, and I will help you out. So I just want you guys to start and follow your passions because if you, if you fail at it, so what? There's, there's more things you can do. And if you love the process of trying to build something, that's awesome. Just you know, follow it, chase it every day, and don't view success as the end game. Because if you love the process and you know, treat it with respect, success will be your end game at some point. Boom. There you have it. Hustle Island's own Troy Erickson. Troy, let people know where they can uh, find you. Yeah. Like I said, uh, Yo Soy Troy on Instagram. I think Twitter, which I don't use as much as Yo Soy Troy 12. Um, you know, Hustle Island, I'm in there a lot. So uh, Troy at socialstrategymarketing.com is my email. Um, just reach out guys. Like a lot of times we're put on a pedestal for being entrepreneurs, but I'm, I'm just a normal dude. Like reach out. I want to be your friend. I'm not Gary Vee where I'm way above everybody else. Greg preaches that a lot too. So just reach out, man. There you have it, hustlers, Hustle Island. Reach out. That's all you have to do. You know, we're all normal people. All you have to do is quick, send a quick note, a quick text, and we'll get back to you. That's, you know, I'm open to everyone too. Like, hey, reach out to me as well. If you need advice, you need help, or if you just want to talk, if you want to get on this podcast, let me know. Troy, hit me up and, I don't know, 24 hours later, we're, we were jumping on and now yeah, we're exactly. It's, doing it's really podcast. simple, guys. It's easy. It's simple. Well, Troy, thanks for joining us, man. I appreciate it. 
Hustle Island, real hustles, real stories. This is episode number six. It's in the books. Troy, thanks for joining us, man. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Get out there and continue to hustle, my friend. Thank you so much, Mike. Appreciate it. No problem, man. Thanks for joining us. Yep, thank you. We'll see you guys next time.